Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there, and welcome to today's program. I'm delighted that you uh, have decided to join in once again, either listening to the live program or, as most folks do, to the archives, either by having it downloaded into your iPod or by visiting the listening library on the Lives in the Balance website. Um, it is so gratifying to have people tell me wherever I go. And I was in uh, Burlington, Vermont last week. I'll be in Niagara Falls, New York this week. Um, and I can't remember where I was the week before Vermont. I'd have to look. Um, so gratifying to have people say how helpful they are finding this program. Like some people are calling it their weekly serving of collaborative problem solving, and that's that's cool. People uh, in Vermont said to me, you know, sometimes we got to close the door of the office in the school and remind ourselves of what we heard on the radio program. And if we've gone astray, we get back on track. Or we say, what we hear on that radio program, should we listen to that again so that we can get ourselves on track here? And that's cool. That's what this program's for. Uh Today is an Anytown High School day, and if you can believe it, there's been like 16 Anytown sessions so far. It's either that this is number 16 or we've done 16, and people are telling me how helpful these are too. You're learning how to implement collaborative problem solving in your building right along with the folks at Anytown High School who were brave enough to let us anonymously, of course, uh, broadcast their efforts to make life better in their building for behaviorally challenging kids and, of course, everybody else um, on live web-based radio. Now, that's bravery. Implementing collaborative problem-solving is brave all by itself. Implementing collaborative problem-solving on live web-based radio, a, a completely different level of brave. And I'm going to bring our friends from Anytown High School on the air momentarily, but I want to tell you about a new... Uh, page section on the Lives in the Balance website just launched today. Finally got the streaming video up in the annual conference section of the Lives in the Balance website. We held our first annual Lives in the Balance conference on collaborative problem solving in Augusta, Maine on uh, November 12, 2011 and boy, look how long it took us to get the video up on the site, but it's up now and you can feel like you were there by uh, watching streaming video of some of the highlights of the day. 
Uh, one more streaming video will be posted shortly. It's a uh, video I showed uh, at the conference. Um, and uh, after people watched that video, I I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. That one is not up yet, but it will be up tonight, I believe. But in the meantime, new page, new section, first annual Lives in a Balance conference on the collaborative problem solving. It was called The Solution Begins in Maine because so much important work in collaborative problem solving is being done in Maine. I wonder if any town high school is in Maine. Hmm. We have no idea. No one knows where any town high school is. All I tell people is that it's in the eastern time zone of North America. That does not narrow it down very much. But let's bring our friends from Anytown High School on now. How are you all today? Good, thank you. Good, and I know because I talked to you just before the program that we have quite an agenda today, so why don't we jump right in? I know that you have a few new students you wanted to talk about. Let's talk about them. Who wants to go first? Um, good afternoon, Dr. Green. This is Marisol. Um, How are you? I want to I want to talk a little bit about a student that um, I met with. Um, I'm going to call her Nana. And Nana is a student that our team has spent a lot of time talking about. Um, she is a very smart young lady, very capable young lady. Um, the, the greatest challenge that we are finding with her as a team is that um, there's two things. One, she seems to um, draw a lot of negative attention, and so whenever it, it seems like whenever there's an issue, um, her name somehow seems to always come up involved in one way or another. And the other issue that, as a team, we were talking about was the the level of disruption that she presents um, throughout the day. Um, so I have a good relationship with her, and it was decided that I would meet with her and talk with her about the disruption and, and really try to you know, work through some ways that we can create a win-win situation. Um, I have to say that the meeting in general I thought went well. She was, from the very beginning, very open. I prefaced the meeting with um, clearly explaining to her that we as a team feel that she has a great deal of potential to be a leader in our cohort, um, and, and the reason why I was meeting with her was we really wanted to be able to create that more than, than what we've been seeing. And, and she liked that. Like right from the beginning, she seemed um, very interested in, in hearing how we were going to try to work with that. Um, <clears throat> the, the focus that I had when we met was um, – um, initially, we wanted to talk with her about, she seems to change, like, I don't want to say change her personality, but she definitely seems to change her approach when she's by herself versus when she's with two particular friends. So that's how um, 
how I started the conversation with her. Um, I basically said that, you know, we've been noticing that there seems to be like two Cynthia's that show up. And, and, um, and so I explained to her what I meant by that. And what, what did you mean by that? To, I'm sorry, go ahead. What what I'm my concern is that it's not a terribly specific unsolved problem, and that she may not have known what you meant. But it, um, you said you explained what you meant. Yes, from, I gave her an example of, of like behaviors that we see from her when she's by herself versus when she's with these two particular girls. So, so we're, we're getting closer. A... We're getting closer to an unsolved problem. Mm-hmm. Although our unsolved problem is much better, not a behavior, and more what we've noticed is setting the behavior in motion. So if what we've noticed is that when she's with two particular girls, she has trouble whatever it is that she's having trouble with, that would come close to being a specific unsolved problem. I would say that there's two different hers, and we've noticed that for many kids, and even for my taste, that would be a bit too vague, and you might have increased the likelihood of hearing, I don't know. But keep going. I, I should not interrupt. I, it's a bad habit. No, no. I appreciate that feedback. and I, I guess... um. Yeah, I guess I from our last session, it sounded like you had said that you know it's okay to like like go general, like go general and then get more specific. Well, so it's actually the opposite. You wanna the the thing that you prefer to do. It's not. There are some instances in which you might start general and go specific, but your preference is actually to start specific, and then go general. You'd rather split before you clump. But keep going. Let's let's hear what happened. I, my bet is that you did get some information out of her. If you didn't, I think I'm, you know what I'm going to tell you why. But let's let's hear what happened. She, um, the example I gave to her, um, there was a field trip that was taken um, last week, and she was by herself, meaning that the other two girls were not on the field trip. And what was interesting was she um, had a situation where there was a, um, two two or three girls that um, I guess were looking at her and, and she felt that they possibly were talking about her in not a positive way. And what was interesting about that was that she ignored the girls. She didn't go up to them. She didn't question them. She didn't say anything about who are they looking at, which which can be behaviors that she's exhibited. Um, and 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 she managed to have no issues whatsoever throughout that trip. Now, what was interesting was the next day she was 
there was a situation where she was coming up the stairs. She had the two friends with her. The same girl from the trip that she had no problems ignoring is coming up the stairs and looks at her, and Nana absolutely um, reacted, you know, went right in her face, um, you know, questioned, you know, in, in some, you know, not so great words, you know, challenged about what she was looking at and why was she looking at her and did she have a problem and, um, and so, you know, that, that escalated a bit and I, it's my understanding that a security guard was coming down and so, you know, managed to quickly, you know, separate the, the girls. Um, so that was one of the examples that I gave her that was very specific with the observation of it seems like, you know, with this, with when you're not with these two girls, you're able to, you know, utilize coping skills that you have, like ignoring, you know, choosing not to react, yet when she, the very next day, sees the same girl, but is with her two friends, the girl did the same thing that she had done the day before, just looked at her, and or looked her way, and yet she reacted very negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, she, um, she, you know, initially she, um, she didn't get defensive, but she initially wanted me to know that independently of the two girls, she would have reacted that way no matter what. Um, so when I asked her, well, why, you know, I found it interesting that the day before you had the situation and the two girls weren't there and you didn't react that way. Mm-hmm. And her response was that they were in a, you know, they were in a public place and she didn't want to make a scene. They were in a public place and she didn't want to make a scene. Yes. That's what she said. (laughs) And and that's in response to why she gave this other kid a hard time with the kids, but not without the kids, her friends? Right, right. That was her response. All right. So now it's time for some drilling for information because I have absolutely no idea what she's talking about. Right, and I wasn't sure either, so we started talking more about, well, what was it specifically that the girl was doing that bothered her, and and she said, well, she was looking at me, and I said, okay, well, you know, well, how was she looking at you? Like, what made you feel that she was looking at you in a menacing way, and she, she gave me some examples of what she thought were indicators that it was a menacing look, you know, that she, the girl would look at her and then she'd turn to the side and say something to her friend. Um, so I asked her, um, you know, when was it specifically that, you know, when she was with her friends that she responded to the girl? And she said that when the girl looked at her, the girl, like, started to say something, and that's when she reacted. The other right. interesting thing, the other interesting thing 
that she said um, was she said to me that she 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 said I have a problem when people give me attitude. So we talked a little bit about you know I asked her like to, to explain to me what that meant. And, you know, how does she know when somebody's giving her an attitude? Like, what does that look like for her? Um, and she talked a little bit about that. And she then said that um, she she has always reacted that way. She said, typically, if somebody, if somebody gives me an attitude, my reaction has always been the same. I give them an attitude back, and I respond. Um, it was interesting. She um, she used the word, I erupt. Um, so that sort of became um, a theme in the conversation because um, then she said, well, sometimes I feel like, like, um, like fire, like I get really mad, and then I just erupt if people come at me the wrong way. Um, so she talked a little bit about that, about, you know, how hard it is for her when people come at her with an attitude and, you know, she, that she wants to change the way she, she reacts, but she said that it's hard because that's the way she's always done it, that when somebody comes to her, gives her an attitude, her immediate response is to be negative. Um, so... I then went to the next step and explained to her that one of the challenges for the teachers is that when she's with her friends and there's, you know, she perceives somebody giving her attitude, right there in the classroom she becomes very disruptive. And... <coughs> I said to her, that's what we're seeing as, you know, one of the problems, you know, because when she becomes this, when you become disruptive, everything stops. Because okay, now that sounds become, like your concern. Yes, that was my concern. I gave her our concern. Mm -hmm. Got it. So I guess what I'm, all I'm sitting here wondering is, do we have? Uh, were we really ready to leave the empathy step? Do we feel like we've had our aha moment in the empathy step, the point at which we feel like we understand exactly what is accounting for why she acts one way when her friends are around and another when she doesn't? Are we... And you did move on, so we're going to hear about you moving on, but just for the sake of everybody who's listening and for you, I'm always listening to these and thinking to myself, have I had my aha moment? Do I understand why she acts one way when her friends are around and another when she doesn't, when, they, when they're not? And um, my answer would be, mm, I, understand, I understand it a little better, do I understand it as well as I would like to before I move on to the define the problem step? Not so sure. But let's move on to the define the problem step. Well, if I could go back for a minute. I guess yep. 
it, as I'm thinking about the session, I remember thinking that the reason why I thought that I should move on to the to, to talking about the concern was when she kept saying that she didn't think that she um, reacted differently because she was very adamant that independently of whether the girls were there or not, if somebody comes at her with an attitude or a certain way, that she's going to respond like that no matter what. So I guess I felt like she was very firm about her position being that it didn't matter that the friends were there, that that's just the way she's going to react because that's the way she reacts. Does that make sense? Well, if she's just going to react the way she's just going to react, there's not much we can do about it. And it it moves me in the direction of believing that this problem can't be solved. And I uh, I'm frequently, I'm always extremely reluctant to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, I don't want my drilling to put me in a corner uh-huh. that I can't that I can't uh get out of especially if it's only because and I don't know if this is the case there was more drilling to be done there are many ringers that could get thrown at you not not on purpose necessarily not not on purpose there are things kids say in the empathy step that could bring us into sort of a corner in which we come to feel, well, it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. There's not much we can do about it. But that's typically the end result of, I hate to say it, but probably the case, not drilling far enough. Mm -hmm. There's There's always additional drilling to be done even when it feels like a kid has said something that puts us in a corner from which we can't do anything. There's always more information to be gathered under those circumstances. Okay, so here's a question then. So what direction should I have taken when the exchange was what I just explained, where even though I was saying that we had observed that there seems to be some differences in the way she reacts, she was firmly, like her position was firm, that independently of the friends being there or not, that she was she reacted that way because that's the way she responds when she feels that people are coming at her a certain way. So, like, when, like how could I have maybe drilled that differently or what, like, what could I have asked differently that could have maybe have... either brought me back to that premise that we had as the teachers, but the, oh, I, I like have... I didn't want to get into an argument with, like I didn't want it to feel like we were arguing and going back and forth of her saying, oh, you know, I, it's, it's not because of my friends, that's just the way I do it, that's just the way I am, versus, you know, me trying to highlight, it just seems like, you know, you seem to act differently when the friends are there versus when they're not. Well... You you seem to act differently when the friends are there. You know, in the beginning, I was wondering if that's 
what you want to start with because you're starting with a theory. Mm-hmm. Your theory is that she's acting differently when she's around her friends than when she's not. And I suppose I could run with that, but I'm wondering if a different way to pose the same unsolved problem is that you've seen that sometimes she has difficulty getting along with the particular kid who was involved in this with her. What's up? Um, and if, and then I'd like to see what happens. But because you began the empathy step with kind of a theory, mm-hmm. you were pointing the empathy step in a certain direction right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And actually, it sounds like her response did not verify your theory. Right. right. And that, and now this could become somewhat contentious, even though Plan B isn't supposed to really ever be contentious because we're. What we don't want to get into is sort of a um, battle of the hypotheses, right? Mm -hmm. She's saying Mm -hmm. that it's when she feels kids are coming at her. You're saying that you think it's because um, she's with certain kids. And Mm -hmm. um, now we've kind of left the empathy step. I'm not exactly sure where we are. Maybe empathy step limbo because we're trading theories when, in fact, the goal of the empathy step is to gather information, And if you throw a theory into the empathy step, I mean, one thing's for sure, sometimes she has difficulty getting along with this other kid. That's solid, right? I would say that that is a purer unsolved problem than I've noticed that you have trouble getting along with this other kid, especially when you're with these other girls. Now we've got a theory. Now Mm -hmm. it's harder to gather information because now we're sort of trying to verify a theory rather than gather information about an unsolved problem. Now, that that doesn't have to be fatal, but then what you it's preferable that you not do it that way, but then the, the biggest issue then became, and this is what you're prone to if you enter the empathy step with a theory, Mm-hmm. is her theory disagreed with your theory, and now it's starting to feel like you all are arguing in the empathy step. And mm-hmm. arguing in the empathy step is very hard to do if what we know we're supposed to be doing in the empathy step is gathering information. Right. But mm-hmm. we're not gathering information about our theory. We're gathering mm-hmm. information about a specific unsolved problem. So that mm-hmm. this actually doesn't I'm, – I'm kind of glad this came up because it's not something we spend a lot of time – talking about you don't you don't you're leaving your theories behind when you enter the empathy step it's a purer <laughs> unsolved problem than that you've noticed she's having trouble getting along with this other kid sometimes what's up now you could enter your concern and i guess your theory in when it comes to the find the problem step and it would be less problematic there but it, it's more problematic when you're entering your theory into consideration in the empathy step. And what she said is that when she feels that kids are coming at her, she responds in kind. All right. right. Now, if we didn't have our theory getting in the way, we could do some very nice drilling for information on that. Very nice drilling for information. But if what's competing with the drilling for information is our theory, now mm-hmm. we've got our theory theory on our mind rather than gathering information on our mind and now Mm -hmm. we are sort of steering the plan b ship toward our theory and 
maybe even asking questions or drilling colored by our theory, and now we're sort of heading for the dock that we thought the boat was going to be heading for rather than letting the boat be um, directed by the um, waves of information that we're receiving, by the current of the mm-hmm. information that we're getting. She she actually gave you a nice piece of information. When she feels the mm-hmm. kids are coming at her, she's going to respond in kind. And that's drillable. Right. That's very drillable. But not if we already know where the boat is heading and we've got a theory on our mind and that's what we were expecting to get information about. that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what would I have drilled on? If I hadn't had the theory in there, what would I be? What kind of drilling questions would I be asking? Things like, um, what well, what what kinds of things do kids do that make you feel that they're coming at you? Um, what are you thinking? These are all, these are sort of the j- drilling strategies. Uh, what are you thinking when you feel like a kid's coming at you? What are you what are you thinking about what the kid is doing that is making you feel like she's coming at you? That's drilling. But if we have a competing theory getting in the way, we never may never get to that drilling. It's like saying, I could let me think if I can come up with another example. I've noticed that we haven't seen much homework coming in lately because I know your parents are going through a hard divorce. What's up? Well, now we've just colored the whole thing. We've got a theory. What we're trying to gather information about is that the homework isn't coming in because the parents are going through a bad divorce, when in fact that may not be why the homework's not coming in at all. So we've kind of driven our empathy step, our information gathering, toward our theory rather than toward the unsolved problem, and that's not likely to go so well. Mm -hmm. So if your question is, how would I have drilled? I would have drilled without being encumbered by our theory. I just want to know why she and this kid sometimes get along and sometimes don't. Why she sometimes mm-hmm. has difficulty getting along with this kid? I, I don't want my the- I don't want to be encumbered by my theory. Mhm. Mhm. Because then it would become contentious. You got your theory. She's got her theory. The empathy step is not where we are having competing theories. It's where we're gathering information. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean. It's painful that this is a realization on air, but yes, I totally agree with you. I mean, when I went in, when I went in, obviously I never thought in my head I wasn't thinking, oh, this is my theory and this is, you know, what I'm trying to prove. But yeah, I mean, I absolutely, you know, really was thinking that she, you know, she has, you know, she has such a different, a different response when. She's by herself versus when she's with these two particular girls. And yep. in my mind, that's what I went in thinking about, that I wanted correct. to, to, to talk correct. to her about, like to try to help her, you know, really see that that was the problem as we saw it as the adult. But that's where, you know, I, you know, where I got too focused on the theory and, you know, and then, like I said, and that's when it did start to feel like, you know, not that we were arguing, but, you know, she was firm on, oh, well, that's just the way I am no matter what. And then it was like, okay, I had to make a decision about, 
you know, am I going to stick with this or am I going to try to shift it so that it doesn't become this power struggle about this is the way I act independently of my friends or not? Yeah, and I would have wanted to hear more about that. And I, it, it, I, it would, it's preferable. It didn't have to be fatal. It sounds mm-hmm. like it did. I don't know, fatal's a little strong. It sounds like the theory did get in the way of you taking what she was saying and gathering more information about it, because mm-hmm. what she was saying was not what you expected to hear, because you entered the empathy step already right. believing in your theory. That's going to make drilling for information very hard. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, in the example that I gave, I'm expecting to hear about the parents' divorce, and the kid is saying to me, I'm having trouble with the math that we're doing right now, and that, that's going to color my drilling. Then I'm going to say, yeah, yeah I get about the math, but, but what about the parents getting divorced? And it's going to go, oh, my, you know, my, you know they're, they're handling it okay, and uh, you know they haven't been getting along for a really long time. I'm used to that. It's the math that I'm having trouble with. And I'm, I'm, then I'm going, no, divorce. And he's going, no, math. And now we are duking it out. We have competing mm-hmm. theories now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so when you enter Plan B encumbered by a theory, you are at risk for not actually taking what the kid is saying and gathering more information about that because what he's saying is not what you expected to hear. That's, that's interesting, that's, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it so one of the things that I plan on doing is following up with her with the whole um attitude, you know, that her response was that when people come at her with what she feels is an attitude, yep. that's what, that's what invokes, you want to hear more about. Right, that's what involves. That's what you want the, to hear more about. That, that's attitude. what she's ready to talk about. Now, here's an interesting thing. Once she's talking, is it? Would it be terrible for you to say? So you know, people always want to know when have you had your aha moment, and part of it is subjective. Well, you know, when when you've had your aha moment in the empathy step, you're ready to move on to the find the problem step, which is so that's it's crucial to know when you've had your aha moment, mm-hmm. and Part of thinking you've had your aha moment is subjective. It's just you saying, good, now I finally understand what this kid's concern or perspective is on this unsolved problem. But um, if we don't want to be subjective about it, then we can just keep asking and say, all right, I get that. Let's say we've drilled further on feeling like people are coming at her and what that looks like and ba 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 So we, we feel like we finally understand it. Before I would move on to the find the problem step, I would say, okay, I get that when you feel like people are coming at you, ba 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 ba, whatever we hear. I would then say, I got that. Is there anything else that I should know about why you're having trouble sometimes getting along with so and so? And if she says no, I might say, can I throw a theory at you? This is just a theory, but let's call it what it is, by the way. Um, I was wondering, we haven't left the empathy step yet. I was wondering if it had anything to do with um, who you're with at the time. Because I could be wrong. By the way, whenever I'm throwing a theory out there, my first words are I could be wrong. Because I could be wrong. Just a theory. Theories could be wrong. Uh, I could be wrong, but does it have anything to do with who you're with at the time? 
mm-hmm. now that she's been talking a little bit and now that we've been drilling a little bit and she's been talking about you know what she's telling us she thinks is getting in the way she might be a little bit more receptive and have it not turn into an argument mm-hmm. about this theory of ours but i'd want to call it a theory and and once again the main point is i don't want to go into the empathy step with a theory um, because mm-hmm. then it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna color all of my questions, and if I'm not hearing what I thought I was gonna hear, this this could get we're no longer gathering information. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I couldn't raise it as a potential theory further along into the empathy step after I've already drilled for information on what she said, and she's telling us that there's really nothing more to add. Then it would I think it's great to throw in a theory. We still got to go with what the kid's telling us, um, and if she still says no. I act that way with her no matter who I'm with. If I feel like she's coming at me, it doesn't matter who I'm with, we're probably going to have to roll with that temporarily. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you have it. That's my plan for next time with her. There you go. So you uh, back to the empathy step. Mm-hmm. And, and the key words here are gathering information, not... Yep. Verifying theory. Two, two right. completely different activities. <laughs> you know? Two completely different activities. So we have about seven and a half minutes left. Do we want to cover one of the other kids that we that you guys wanted to bring up today? Sure. This is uh this is Kim. Um that the whole thing with the uh with Nana, it kind of ties into uh, some of the ideas I had for approaching another student, um, Tom. I haven't actually sat down with him yet. Um, I was just wondering on how to approach him with empathy, and I already had a theory as to why he was doing a certain behavior, but as you mentioned, don't go in with a theory. Learn from my mistake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. See, this is the interesting thing. Uh, I hate to interrupt. Keep going. Sorry, I won't interrupt. Okay, so um, the student Tom, he's he's in my study hall, and if a student, if another student in the group says something, and it upsets him in some way, he gets up and he walks out of the classroom and he slams the door as hard as he can, and then he's gone for about three, five minutes. And then right, he just so comes back up in and, as if nothing happened. All right, so getting up and slamming the door and leaving the classroom is the behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we want to know what the unsolved problem is that's setting that behavior in motion. What is it again? What the un, the this unsolved problem? Yeah. What's what's what under what conditions is he getting up, walking out of the classroom, and slamming oh, the door? A student a student will say something to him. Like what? Well, before, all I could hear was a student said something, and then some of them laughed. And it sounded like he was laughing, and he got up and left. And the second time it happened, another student said something um, like, um, that would include you, right, or something like that. Um, I didn't hear the whole conversation. And then he just got up and left. So, so I don't know what telling him. You don't know what? The whole, uh, yeah, I don't know what the conversations are before he gets up and leaves. But every time I've tried to call him back in, he just he won't come back in. 
he just goes off, and then after a few minutes, he comes right back into the classroom, sits down as if nothing happened. And the other students well, have mentioned this happened regularly. Once again, that's the behavior. Um, I think the unsolved problem sounds like um, if kids are, you don't know what they're saying, but it looks like it's hard for him when kids say things to him in class that are upsetting him. And I, I don't have enough information to be super specific about the unsolved problem. And it sounds like you're not aware of what they're saying. So that's the best I can probably do. Um, you've noticed that sometimes when the other kids are, other kids say things that he seems to have a problem with, that's hard for him. What's up? Now, I, now this is an interesting thing. That does include a theory, doesn't it? No. <laughs> so now we are in a bind. Do we go with the theory? Although, well, let me ask you this. Have you... <laughs> I hate to go with the behavior. Although in this instance, we have to decide, given that, given that we don't have a great deal of information about it, do we want to go with the behavior, which we don't want to do? In uh, Mara Rabsal's case, we had a little bit more information. We had a kid that this other kid was having difficulty getting along with, so we actually had something purer to run with. In this case, we have a theory. The other kids are saying something that this student objects to. And we have a behavior, leaving the classroom and slamming the door. Neither is ideal. Is there any more information that we have about these specific conditions in which this is occurring? Mm -hmm. I have some information about this. I, my name is Jen, and I'm, I'm familiar with the student we're talking about. And it's become apparent that he may be um, experiencing different things with his sexuality. And well, I believe that... that All right. So that, that is a, that's another theory. Now, um, yes. Yeah theory, but there's a lot of talking going on about it, and I believe that's what the kids are Got it. making him upset with. Got it. So, um, you know, we'd have to ha make our choice of, I wouldn't run with that theory. Uh, it, I'd, I'd, I'd want him to be able to tell us that. Right. Um, we'd have to run either with what we believe we've observed and this is mm -hmm. direct contra contradiction to what I just told Marisol, but um, we don't have much else. Uh, I've noticed that when kids are, well, I, you know, I, I preface it by saying I'm not sure. I've noticed that sometimes you get upset in the class and leave. That's the behavior. I could mm -hmm. go with that. It's not as specific as we'd like, but we're lacking information. Or we could go with what we think we've observed. It could have too much theory attached to it, but we don't have much else. I've noticed that sometimes, 
and I'm not sure what they're saying, and I'm not even sure if this is what it is. I, I could be wrong, once again. But I've noticed that when some things get said in our class that seems to be upsetting for you, what's up? I think that the sexuality piece might be a little bit too loaded to go with with the empathy step. It might shut him down immediately. So I probably wouldn't run with that one. But that's the best we can probably do. And unfortunately, this is the best we can do for today. We are out of time for today. I don't remember when we're doing this again, but I want to thank you all again for doing this. It was a very interesting program about a very difficult part of Plan B. So thank you, Anytown, and I look forward to talking with you guys again. Thank you, thank Dr. Green. You. you bet. I hope Bye. the rest of you have found this to be an informative program. No program next week. It's President's Day in the United States. After that, we'll be back with an interesting discussion on the platform and IEP. Talk to you in two weeks.